So you're sat there in the room with the engineering lead, the product owner, and three senior VPs. You've only got 40 minutes to perfect the pre-read for your meeting with the CEO next week. She's going to want to know how the publicity risk is being managed for this highly visible corporate initiative you're leading. You're going to want her to make a go-no-go decision on the launch date. Everything has to go like clockwork, or it'll be another three weeks before you can get back on her calendar. This is not the time to be intimidated by the titles in the room. This is the time to own your meeting objectives, drive alignment, and achieve clarity so that your program enables the right change at the right time to keep the business ahead of the curve. As much as this sounds like a scene from Suits, it's all in a day's work for an enterprise program manager who truly understands the value they bring to the table. Wondering if you've got what it takes to be part of a highly effective enterprise program management team? Keep listening. We're going to be digging into how a solid team of program managers can rise above their stereotypical pencil pusher reputation and become the widely respected SWAT team known for catalyzing strategic business transformation. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Galen Lowe with the Digital Project Manager. We are a community of digital professionals on a mission to help each other get skilled, get confident, and get connected so that we can deliver our projects with purpose and impact. If you want to hear more about that, head over to the Digital Project Manager. Hey everyone, thanks for hanging out with us on the DPM Podcast. My guest today has over a decade of experience managing complex technical programs for some of the digital world's most prominent organizations, including Amazon, Accenture, and PayPal. Today, he is a Director of Program Management at Roku, where he leverages his technology and business background to run high-visibility corporate and platform business initiatives at all levels of the organization. Outside of work, he's married to his partner of many years, stays in and around the Bay Area, plays cricket, and also volunteers at BAPS Charities, a socio-spiritual organization focused on early child development initiatives. Folks, please welcome Dharma Mehta. Hello, Dharma. Hey, Galen. How's it oh, it's going? It's going well. How's things going with you? I'm doing good. Um, COVID restrictions are opening up, so making a few outdoor trips since uh, last few nice, weekends. Nice. And I'm enjoying awesome. it. Awesome. You've been getting good weather? Yep, the weather is awesome today. It's bright and sunny outside. So, uh, awesome. yeah. Awesome, love that. Okay. And in addition to sort of getting back out there, is there anything in your world that's been inspiring you lately? Good question. Uh, two days across, I came across this quote by Charles uh, Swindoll. It says, life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And professionally speaking, it completely resonates on what we do. Program managers are supposed to uh, not only focus on 10% of what happens, but a lot of our time also goes into 90% of how we react to those situations. I love that. And actually, it reminds me of a conversation I was having, actually, our last podcast episode, where we were talking about reactions and how important it is to manage those reactions, especially in your project when you're under pressure or in the room when you're in a meeting. You know, yes. 10% of it's happening to you. 90% of it is being thoughtful <laughs> about how you react right, to it. And right, maybe your knee-jerk instinct right. might not be the right thing for the project or the right thing for the people in the room, for sure. I really like that. Probably, yep. Very cool. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. Let's dig into what really makes the value of an enterprise program manager hyper-visible in a large digital organization and also what it takes to play at the level of the game that you and your team play at. But to start, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about the professional version of you. Um, how long have you been a technical program manager and what are some of the organizations you've worked for in the past? Good question. Um, I have been a TPM for over five years now. 
um historically i have worked for consulting and tech firms including accenture paypal amazon uh before which i was with a startup and as you know currently i am working with roku uh, in program management awesome. space very cool and do you think you could tell us a bit about your role at roku and what you do sure so so i'm part of centralized program management organization and we do program management for two types of initiatives uh one are the corporate wide initiatives which comes from the office of the ceo and uh, the other types uh, the other type is that of platform business mm-hmm. initiatives um things related to revenue um uh, falls under this bucket um and then we typically we 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 don't do traditional program management we typically get involved where either the business problems are extremely unique or teams have to work under uh, tight uh, timelines um there is a requirement for cross functional collaboration beyond specific organizations um or at times the path forward is uncertain so we we selectively do program management for very special or specific programs within the organization that's really cool so you're kind of like epmo but like the swat team you come in when there's like a really right, special we, mission right right and we we purposely don't call ourselves pmos because uh we consider us as uh being internal consultants uh-huh. who are specialized in solving unique problems and uh, we love to call ourselves thin layer of awesomeness in the organization <laughs> i love that i just love that framing i'm probably going to steal that but like how different <laughs> is that compared to like enterprise pmo like you, i think there's a really good reason why you don't call it a pmo because you are that layer of awesome you are consultants you are empowered and you're driving these initiatives forward like from the c suite or really complex platforms like already to me that's like wow that sounds different than just being a project manager or even a program manager right. so that's that's super right. cool um i wonder if you could maybe like dive a little deeper and just tell us about like the types of projects that you know your teams manage um sure so so as i said we we bucket our uh, programs in two different paths so the ones that that are corporate initiatives include things like uh, mergers and acquisitions or strategic partner integrations with um, external partners or dealing with unique situations for example now we are uh, planning for the post covid return to office world which which requires a lot of thinking um, a lot things have to be done across the uh, company to enable employees to come back safely to work uh, we program manage those type of initiatives as well um, and on the platform business side uh, we we work on um, strategic or uh, sp- operational uh, projects or programs for our advertising uh, sales organizations or product organization um or we support the roku pay platform so again depending on the situation and uh, the ask uh, we could be dealing with one or more of such uh, initiatives within the platform business it's actually interesting well. because you described what a lot of people would think are two very different things right platform seems very technical and then like the corporate initiative side doesn't sound like it would be that technical but when you start talking through it you're like actually it is right mergers and acquisitions partner integrations uh return to office like yes these are corporate initiatives but i think that there's a lot of there's a, a lot of technical moving parts there's a lot of technology involved would you say that's true yeah uh, depending on the program yes uh, for example strategic partner initiatives i recently worked on um integrating a music provider into roku's ecosystem and um uh, one important skill 
which is required uh, in this job is being able to deal with technical and non-technical conversations. So whenever you are discussing more with leadership, typical conversations would uh, remain at a higher technical or non-technical level, but there are always situations where you need to understand the underlying technology to have a, a, a sane conversation with someone on the technical team uh, because you need those details to move your program forward. So yes, while they don't sound technical at the highest level, uh, typical typically you would get involved in uh, some parts of technology uh, while running one of these That programs. makes sense. And it makes sense that your role is to kind of simplify the technology into sort of business objectives and a business understanding for certain audiences, but then you're still also kind of in the weeds with the team having those technical conversations where they need to happen if that's what's part of your project. Right. That's right. very cool. Um, speaking of that, uh, how, how would you describe your management style as a, as a technical program manager? Um, it's a good question. Um, so it really depends. It's, it's hybrid. It's typically not a one size fits all situation. Uh, being a TPM, you typically want to be loved and have trustful relationships across the organization because um, an important skill that will help you succeed is influencing without authority, which comes with trust. And in that situation, you would typically want to have a democratic management style because uh, uh, you people you want people to be part of your initiative and not be against it. So uh, usually I'm democratic, but every now and then the situation demands us to be authoritative where, where the situation is going out of control. For example, in a meeting full, uh, with senior leaders or in a meeting with like 15 to 20 people, uh, conversations are going in south direction um, or some folks are just not aligned and you need immediate alignment because timelines are critical. In this situation, you would uh, have to be authoritative and be okay to have tough conversations um, either one-on-one -on -one or while others are there depending on the situation. So I'll say it's a hybrid mm -hmm. approach. Um, my preferred style is democratic, but uh, if needed, I, uh, authoritative uh, style is also something that uh, helps uh, people like me succeed. I like that. Jobs. I like that dynamic range. It's like kind of collaborative and democratic and sometimes just to get the job done, to get things moving, to get things out of a rut, you need to sometimes have that other gear as well. Um, that might take you into something right. that feels more authoritative, but really in the best interests of the project and, you know, the best use of everyone's time. Exactly. As long as, as long as you, you have the, uh, understanding of this is what these need what this is a, this is what is needed for the customer and this is the right thing to do for the business being authoritative is not a bad thing um and then and, and if you have good trust or good relationships with your with your part project teams then uh, eventually they will understand it maybe in that spur of moment they wouldn't like it but once everything is done you can always go and have a conversation and if needed apologize and say this is the reason why i had to be right. authoritative and people yeah. understand so having that trust is important. Um, otherwise, it, things could backfire. As I well. like that. Yeah, it, it it works because you have that foundation of trust and because right. you've been reasonable right. and democratic in most scenarios. And sometimes you just need to just need to, you know, get get the job done and maybe maybe apologize exactly. later. <laughs> no, but I think that trust yeah. is so important. I love that. And 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 you you genuinely genuinely have to do it. You can't just apologize yeah. for the sake of it uh, because no one likes being authoritative. At least folks in my role typically wouldn't. And so uh, it's it's okay to do that as long as uh, 
you are genuinely doing it, the other person will definitely understand your perspective mm-hmm. as well. No, and I think that's just, it's such an interesting lens because, you know, it, as you talk to more people who've had experiences with project managers, program managers, you know, not all great experiences, sometimes because people in these roles are kind of just playing that one gear, right? The authoritative gear. I'm, like, you know, I'm the boss, right. it's, you know, it's my neck on the line, do what I say. Uh, and <laughs> as a result, you know, they're not building the stress and they're not really uh, moving the project forward in a productive way. It's just, it's just moving ahead, you know, like kind of blindly and not with the team rallying behind it. It doesn't have that strength and momentum. Um, so yeah, right. I, I love that. Right. And and as TPMs, you would typically be be managing projects wherein you don't have direct authority over those organizations. It's mm-hmm. cross-functional. So it's not like people are reporting into your hierarchy. So you definitely have to uh, understand that dynamic as well while working on projects and programs. Absolutely. That's a huge part of it for sure. Which I, th- I think it right. maybe is a good segue. So I just wanted to, let me just level set for our listeners first. So Dharma and I, we've been pulling on this thread about like the value that an enterprise program manager delivers and how the expectations of the role within a leading technology organization is a lot more than just minding the iron triangle of scope, timeline, and budget. And it's not doing it from the sidelines either. Um, And actually, because digital solutions are woven into every level of a digital enterprise, these programs are also often imbued with like the pressure and urgency that comes along with any high visibility high visibility project that is directly tied to how revenue and profitability is reported within a public company. So yes, there is immense value in making sure that programs are on schedule within costs, but in a lot of ways, that's the baseline expectation, right? Like where the true value lies is in someone's ability to bring together these various layers of the organization from like engineering and the product teams to the senior leadership level and the C-suite to take decisive action towards delivering business outcomes mm-hmm. effectively and strategically. So anyways, that's my, that's my overall framing and rant, but to rate over, but yes, things that you've been talking about um, since we started this conversation, right? Where it's bringing a lot of different types of people together. You're dealing and you're, you're, you're changing your communication and management style for different audiences from senior leaders to folks who are, you know, uh, just like working on the actual technical product, writing the code, doing the testing. Um, and it's bringing all of these groups together to take action and the stakes are high in a technology organization because you know this isn't just a side project this is like business this is business evolution um, right. and it and it and it, right. it comes from the top um so for our listeners i thought i'd just start out simply by asking what in your eyes are the most important qualities for a program manager on your team to bring to the table so it's a good question, and I know we, we briefly touched on this in our previous conversations as well. Um, th- there are a few qualities that we look for, um, and yes, what you said, Iron Triangle is uh, just 20% of the job because those are the basics. We could call those as prerequisites to be successful, and not only in our team, but just in general. In, in my experience over the last few years, I have observed that, yes, that those are table stake requirements. But beyond that, uh, folks um, in this role uh, require a few other things. Uh, uh, One of those is extreme comfort and ambiguity. Um, We face situations where none of the project team members or or cross-functional leaders know what what should be done next. 
and as a as a program manager obviously you may or may not have the subject matter expertise but you should be able to be first of all comfortable in that ambiguity and second ask the right questions to steer the direction to, to steer the team in the right direction um, it's okay not to know what has to happen next but as long as you know that okay this is the goal this is where we are at uh, while people don't know that journey uh, as long as you can ask the right questions and take one step at a time uh, that could help you succeed um, another requirement or a quality would be uh, leading cross functional teams and not and part of that is not being scared mm-hmm. of titles um, uh, this was a very good good lesson one of the executives uh, gave me a few years ago he he said that when you are organizing a program meeting and when it's coming from your calendar you own it and owning it means you could do things needed to make that a success which includes where like for example there are two senior leaders in the in that meeting um who are strong headed and they are having a conversation which you as a program manager know is derailing uh what you want to achieve in that meeting you should be empowered to go and say hey can we please hold off on this conversation until next time or let's take this offline so uh, leading cross functional teams with uh, with uh, people who are subject matter experts in their areas is important and a part of that is not to be scared of titles uh, and i covered this which is asking questions and a lot of right questions uh, is also important um another important skill is proactive risk management uh, program man- like when typically the project uh, the program teams are focused on what's going on right now or the next step but program managers should be two steps ahead they should be thinking constantly thinking about the end goal and figuring out things which are risky or which could increase the risk of your deliverable and start uh, uh triaging those things or at least have a plan to triage those in case it it, it goes in that direction um so so that's an important skill uh, having a disciplined approach um within our company uh, or or folks in my role are known for having a repeatable consistent approach of doing things and something that is consistent to the company culture uh, because that is important as well if you go against the culture or deviate from there uh, you need to have a very very strong reason otherwise it's going to be difficult to sustain and people will probably start losing trust because they are seeing certain things in your program which are against the culture and then eventually they will uh, probably be checked off so so you need to be consistent with the culture um and then um, there are many like when it comes to enterprise program management uh things are not black and white there are some gray areas and in those gray areas the the owners are not defined and the way we operate is if an action item or if a question does not have a owner we act as the owner until we find one and that is kind of a motivation for us first of all to find the right owner and second to make sure that our programs are going in the right direction and as you said uh, this is real business so the, so the bottom line delivery of the goal in the uh, in the in the right time frame with the right quality is important and so we we need to do whatever is needed to be able to achieve that goal and and finally since we we focus on unique problems be it business or technology uh, we need to establish playbooks uh, program management is slightly different not slightly it's different than operational work so we we come into unique situations but if we are going to come back again and redo the whole thing then we are not adding real value so we come in a unique situation we solve for it we establish a playbook so that teams can solve for it themselves going forward and then we move on to the next problem 
So these are some of the qualities uh, that help people in our role succeed. I really like that. I wanted to swing back on something you said because you said approach, a disciplined approach. You didn't say methodology uh, and you said it should right. be consistent with company culture. And so, I mean, I think some people in their head, they might think approach and methodology is the same thing, but I don't think you do. And like you said, you're solving unique problems. Can you talk to me a bit about, right. you know, how that approach, like, is that approach consistent in terms of how you execute it? Or is it consistent in terms of it's always the same sort of methodology that you adopt? Right. So it's so a good question. Methodology uh, may or may not be consistent depending on the program we are working on and the problem we are solving. But our approach is so whenever whenever people ask us to get involved in something, there is some table stake expectations, first of all, from those stakeholders. So they know that once one of our program managers will be involved, they need to do these five mm-hmm. things to be able to support us succeed. So, so that is something for me, which is part of the approach. Another thing is whenever we dive deep into something, we have a standard framework of how we we approach that problem. So we we define R&R, we define what's the plan of record, what are the open items, what could be potential risks and things like that, and, and like tentative or key milestones. And then we focus on hitting each of those sections uh, week over week over week until we achieve the end goal. And so that's what I mean by approach when I'm uh, talking in this. Uh, I really like that. And actually that, that played into my next question, which was just, you know, you talk about establishing playbooks and something that as you were going through it, what really struck me as somebody who was mostly a project manager on agency side, you know, we weren't necessarily seen as these internal consultants, but what you described, what you just described sounded to me like, okay, like this team's coming in. There's these five pillars that they expect of us. We gotta get our we gotta get our our our, our affairs in order, and we need to kind of like shape up because they're gonna they're gonna drive this train forward, and we need to keep up. Um, and it's kind of that right. sort of reputation, and then also the fact that, and then when they're done, we're gonna have to own this from there on out. So like let's let's let's. It seems like a very respected role. It seems like you know, uh, and a very empowered role, I guess I would say. And I think I like what you said about like, it's the consistency of the pillars, the things that you're looking at and how you operate. Um, you kind of come in and apply this um, approach, which might be a little bit different for every type of unique problem that you're solving, but consistent enough that people know what to expect and know what they need to do to own their part and make sure it goes well. Um, because generally speaking, it sounds like all of these things are, are quite high visibility high stake right that's super cool i really like that um i wonder if we can maybe dive a little bit deeper and i wonder if you can just walk me through what your expectations are of someone whose role it is to deliver a corporate initiative like what kinds of things should they be thinking about or communicating what should they be making happen and like what should they be preventing good good question so so we, we answered part of this question in the qualities that we look for um, uh, people in this role. And on top of it, there are two, three different things uh, we would expect a person in this role to do. Uh, number one is he or she should be forward looking. Uh, as I said, the team is typically going to be focused in their specific areas um, in the execution phase. But uh, as a successful program manager, you need to be two steps ahead thinking about the end goal, Think about what could be a potential risk, what needs to be done from now until the end, when does it need to be done, 
who needs to know about it so constantly thinking about the end goal and how we can reach there from now until then is important uh second is communication uh, that's a and we, we might dive deeper into it later on but uh being able to communicate the right thing to the right audience at the right time is the key to success and it's an art um i myself struggle sometimes uh but i am still learning um and that is needed to be able to uh, uh first of all be respectful of everyone's time because in this role we for example organize weekly meetings where senior leaders across different domains uh, for example uh, one of the project teams i lead uh, includes leaders from uh, marketing finance engineering product um, and sales so those are cross functional leaders uh, who are extremely busy and if you're going to if you're going to take for example 30 to 50 minutes of their time per week then it's you, you better be uh, ready for it and make it uh make it uh, the best use of their time so uh being able to communicate is important and being mindful of people's time who are participating in your uh program or project is important and and finally this is not only about tracking uh milestones or budget or scope uh we also have to play leadership roles wherever needed as i said wherever there is a gray area um there is lack of ownership or no one knows who is responsible for answering a, an important question the program manager is the default owner until he or she either resolves it or the find or finds the right person who is supposed to solve for it so that's also an important skill of leadership which is needed to succeed in this role what i really like about that overall description is that you kind of like i feel like you notched it up a level i mean there's like these skills right that we think about when we talk about like program and project management uh and then I think what you described is this layer on top, right? It's the the function of owning, you know, the path ahead. It's about owning the communications and like filtering the communications and delivering the communications right. at the right time to the right people in the right way. And all of that for me like right. wraps and... up in that leadership role, right? Of like being the person who owns this, who owns how right. you know the captaining captaining the ship for for lack of a better metaphor uh to just make sure that everyone knows what to do what's at stake when something is important you know what's urgent versus what can wait um and and really just navigating that overall process right right and and navigating is is the key here as well like i remember a situation where it was friday afternoon we were deciding between launching and not launching a product and it's not an internal product so once we decide to launch within an hour we had to do a public announcement like we had this whole gtm uh, team working on it and within a fraction of 30 minutes the decision was taken with the core core leadership team which which included like five people there were 40 people in this project five people decided from uh, no we are not launching to yes we need to launch we had our reasons to do that but those five people were then focused on product launch and my responsibility became to make sure that the remaining 40 are on board with this because even they had to play their roles for mm. this launch and within a span of 2 hours we announced it publicly so uh that was a different sort of a leadership role where i had to make sure that while those five critical resources made the decision the remaining 35 were aware of it and they were playing their mm. roles otherwise we wouldn't have succeeded i like that of that the whole sort of driving that decision to be made which sounds very high stress 
<laughs> I, I should just say. It, it is. Uh, and then owning what happens next, right? Because then that team of 40, right. including the 35 people who weren't necessarily in the room making that decision to, you know, to, to, to launch the product, have to get on side and, you know, like walk down that path of, of actually, yeah, right. launching something to the world, uh, you know, under under a big brand name. Right. And then, and then owning is definitely one part of it, but the other part of it is knowing what needs to be done. Like you need to be extremely reactive in this situation. And as I said, 90% of it is how I react to it because what you do in the next two hours is going to be critical for the success. Like you might have worked really hard for last five, six, seven months, but if you fail in those two hours, then uh, the whole effort may not be uh, that Mm -hmm. successful. So uh, owning and knowing what needs to be done is also important in this situation. That's very cool. That sounds um, exhilarating and, yeah, very high pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Part and parcel of what we do. All right, let's uh, let's dive into some of the juicy stuff. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about the the role of your team as you know internal consultants, that awesome of layer. Uh, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper about the reputation of your team, and I'm just wondering, you know, where you're working right now, or even where you have worked previously. Like, how has program management been perceived within the organization? You mentioned you were, like, trying to be loved and trying to be democratic. Um, sometimes, you know, you need to, to, to lay down the law. Uh, would you say that you're loved and respected? Or would you say that you're feared? Would you say maybe both? Because I hear a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say it depends on the situation. But, but in general, my, my experience has been over the last few years, nine out of 10 times we are loved and respected. Awesome. Uh, and for me, uh, that's huge. That's being successful. Um, and, and people know where we bring in value to the organization, which is also important. Um, my observation is once you're like for a very small startup, this role may not be seen as that important because you have lesser coordination requirements, lesser people. But once you hit that specific uh, mark of, let's say, more than 150, 200 employees, the importance of program management just keeps on growing, growing, growing. And until this big organizations, um, uh, the, the, the role has become very standardized these days, um, including in all the FANG and non-FANG companies. So, uh, yes, we are loved and respected usually, but uh, it, uh, it comes with a set of expectations and prerequisites. Whenever people ask for help uh, we are very explicit about sure we will be more than happy to help you but here are the five things we need from you as prerequisites and these are the five commitments that we need from you during the uh, tenure of this program are you willing to commit or not um, now typically the uh, the answer may be yes or maybe and whenever there is a maybe we have a deeper discussion on why that's a maybe uh, there are very very rare situations where they are reluctant, but we still inject ourselves into those programs because, as I said, we know that's the right thing to be done for the business. Uh, there are others who, sh- who see issues with a specific problem, which that specific person may or may not see. In that situation, we don't only have to make sure the program is going in the right direction, but we also have to, again, prove our worth to that specific person. And it's difficult, but it like... They- some situations demand that, and we we are able to do that as well uh, as and when needed. I really like that, and I kind of like in my head the metaphor that I'm like picturing is kind of like, 
you know, you, you, you get your sort of like fitness coach, right? And they're going to whip you into shape, but you got to be ready. You know, you got to be ready to wake up at 5 a.m. You got to be ready to, you know, eat well. You know, you're going to have like cook with good ingredients, you know, not eat out. You have to be ready in order to transform. Exactly. Uh, but then also the other side of the coin, which is like you are transformation consultants in a way, right? Your results speak for right. themselves. And like as you're talking about it, it's like, yeah, loved and respected, a little bit feared by some, uh, right. but I right. think that that love and respect comes from the fact that they've seen it happen in other parts of the organization where your team steps in. They're like, yes. "Listen, we need this. You know, we need this. Like these five things from you." Uh, but then they get it done, and you see it become a success, and you see it get you know celebrated, and it's not that sort of ambiguous car wreck that it might have been if it wasn't for your team stepping in. So it's almost like this, like, you know, like not, not to puff your team up too much, but you know, it's like the superhero team. It's like, okay, regular law enforcement <laughs> couldn't get it done. Let's bring in the superheroes. Let's bring in the Avengers and you know, watch that all happen. It's going to be intense, but the whole idea is that it's going to work efficiently. <laughs> it's going to be clear. It's going to be well-communicated. People are going to understand where it's going. Um, we're going to navigate the waters and we're going to get to our destination. And I, I think that's, that's, that's something that I don't know if a lot of people think about when they're like just looking at a role like this on paper, right? It's like, okay, pro program management right, role, right? Right. just like, you know, any other program management role, but not always, right? Sometimes it's I, a very high value, high visibility role. I definitely agree. I love your examples and analogy, especially the fitness coach. It completely resonates with what we do. Yes, we, we call ourselves... Uh, I. I love the way you call us transformation consultants as well. And uh, we don't do do any official or formal publicity of what mm. our team does. It's all word of mouth publicity um, in my existing previous roles. And uh, the reason people want us is because they have seen success. As you said, they have seen us do something successfully with a specific business or technology problem. And then they want us to help them with something similar or completely different. But yeah, so it's all word of mouth publicity. We do not... Uh, go out there and uh, go market ourselves. Uh, uh, we believe in what we do and we believe that our work will speak volumes and that's how we uh, we succeed and we grow our team. It's such a well. cool place to be because, you know, uh, like you and I, we've both done an, a, a stint at a large management consultancy where there's a lot of different departments and a lot of different teams. And I've seen that, right? I've seen that team that's like pounding right. pavement all the time trying to like, frankly, justify their own existence and like make sure that people don't forget <laughs> about them, uh, whatever service they provide internally. Whereas this is kind of like, okay, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, almost like, marketed by being legendary right this is like this team that comes in it, your services are going to be needed your services are effective people think of you when you know a job needs to get done like that is it's such a it's such a great position to be in in, a, in any size organization but especially a large organization or even an organization that's like you know growing as fast as like for example roku right like where you know they they right. know they're at that point where yeah Program management is serious, and it's only going to get more and more serious. Uh, so it's really cool to see, uh, like, this team come in with a brand that's about, like, an identity that's about transformation internally. Right. That's very cool. Right. I think we could probably do a whole different podcast episode on what you mentioned about playbooks, <laughs> but uh, we'll, right. we'll, we'll leave that later. I think people are listening going like, yeah, but what about what he said about playbooks? I'm really interested in that. <laughs> uh, we will we'll return to that conversation. I really do like that. 
Definitely. Now, I thought maybe we could just turn to some of like the challenges, though, right? Yes, I know that the team is well loved and respected. You don't even need to market yourselves; people come to you. Uh, you know, you're, you're top of mind for some of these situations that are complex and challenging. But what are some of the most common challenges that you see your team facing when it comes to working with all these various levels of the organization? We talked about working with folks from engineering all the way up to the C-suite, sometimes together in the same room. Like, what are some of the challenges that, that come along with that? Um, so, again, the, since we work on u- unique problems, challenges are unique uh, in different programs. But, yeah, there are some recurring uh, themes. Um, the first challenge is communication. It's, um, I have been working on it since last few years and I'm still working on it. Being able to communicate the right message to the right audience at the right time and in the right format is, is challenging. Um, and this is something, uh, yes, you could, you could learn by taking courses and stuff, but it comes through experience, um, and, and real time, uh, situations. So, so that's, that's an important challenge. Another one is dealing with extremely complex um, and interrelated problems. Um, And while doing that, being able to simplify the next steps for the the program team members to be able to focus on is also difficult. So while you may or may not have all the answers or while you are completely confused, you should still be able to ask the specific right questions so that it's simplified enough for people in your team to move in some direction that may or may not be right, but in some direction. So that's challenging. Uh, third one is getting cross-functional alignment. Um, it's not always black and white as, as in when these companies grow, uh, the roles and responsibilities may not be that uh, straightforward or clear enough, or um, there are some areas where there is lack of ownership and overcoming those are not easy. And the way we solve for it, as I said, is we own, own it until some, we, Either until we either fix it or find the owner. So we make it easy on others, but on us, that's challenging because uh, we many times find ourselves in a situation where we have zero knowledge of that specific situation or problem or domain, but we still end up owning, owning it because no one else does. So now we have to learn something from scratch, which is a good challenge, but we have to learn from scratch while the time is limited and figure out how to solve for those problems. So, um, doing that is also so difficult and and finally um i'll say proactive risk management um uh, it's fun to solve unique problems but it's difficult to proactively identify risks because you have not been in that situation previously uh, a classic example would be covid when covid started we did program management for working mm. from home and there were so many unknowns and uh uh, my manager actually led that uh, project across the company and it was difficult because he had to proactively identify risks in a, in a situation where no one knew what's going to happen next. Uh, I still remember when we first announced uh, work from home, It was, it, in Bay Area at least it was said that, oh, this will take three to four weeks and we'll be right. back in office. And here we are not yet back right. in office. So how would you have uh, proactively figured this thing out? Probably not, but being able to uncover those situations is also difficult and, and challenging. And then there are some situations where we require cultural shifts within the companies. And that is challenging because uh, change in general is difficult. And when you ask people to do things differently, 
uh, it gets more difficult and dealing with those situations is also uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think like I've seen that happen a lot in organizations where there is change either a change in leadership or departments are like you know combining or you know intertwining and it creates this grayness right that you have to navigate like it's yeah. it's like organizational ambiguity where you know, there might be people who are like, yes, I know that this person's my new boss, but I still really follow this person who used to be my boss. And you yep. have these factions yep. that you need to deal with that are like, like, like you said at the beginning, right? Like nobody trains you for this. No one's like, okay, here, when things get political, like we didn't get trained in like politics. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know if that, that training necessarily exists, but it is such a core part of what we have to learn on the job to kind of figure out those nuances. And I think one nice, but also challenging thing about being like in an internal team is that well, this is it. This is what you get to deal with. But you also get to learn the depth of the organization and you're building these relationships with all these various different people. And you kind of, it's, it's, it becomes part of your data set, I would imagine, right? To be like, okay, I know that <laughs> this team and this team don't get along. So I need to change my strategy for this. And I know that this person yes. just has no idea how to solve the problem. They don't have the, the technical chops to, uh, but this person does. And I need to put them the two of them in a room and they're very different people. Uh, and then even just what you said, just about like just problem solving, problem solving I, it's one of those words that I think we say, but we don't always understand what it means, right? Like, hey, you need problem-solving skills. Yeah, I solve problems. But like what you, how you described it, it's like, okay, no one – it might be the case that no one knows the answer and we don't have a solution. But right. we need to get closer to our solution or at least test a theory. And those are our next steps to kind of like work through that. Not necessarily getting everybody right. into the room and saying, what should we do? It's about kind of going, okay, well, if we test this, if we try this first, and if that doesn't work, then does that write it off? And we kind of go to plan B and just kind of making those steps simple for people so that, you know, the bright brains in the room, including yourself, can actually get to some kind of progress, even if it's not the right outcome right. the first time, it's progress. And I think that's what people don't really... Right get about problem solving they're like yeah i know how to do that thing but again it's one of those things that right. i don't know if there's you know formal training for to kind of iterate through that process the problem solving framework and then the the sort of the people management that comes along with it because you know you're, it's, it's rare for us as project and program managers to have all the answers we need to be able to like right. step people through it and get them there as a team Right, right. And in, in, in almost all the situations, we may not have the answers. But if we frequently use this terminology of hypothesis, we say, I mean, and you, 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 I think, told it in a very nice way where this is the hypothesis. If this doesn't work out, then maybe this is the hypothesis. And continuing until you get to a solution is something that helps. And then, and the, the, the previous point that you focused on, which is um, we, we do develop that data set. And we have our internal network of program managers across the company and we do solve we, we do we do share those data sets cool. as well so that's that's like knowledge sharing within within our community because um, if i have gone through something with in a specific situation with a specific team and i have learned something about that team then yes i definitely want my team members my partners to know about it because they might be dealing with the same situation in in a slightly mm -hmm. different setup and if I'm able to help them, it's a win-win situation. And uh, we actually, 
it's it's a good point you raise we um, every two weeks uh, sorry not every two weeks every two months uh, we have this uh, program management specific uh, sync ups where we share best practices from last two months and that that helps us um, understand things which may which may or may not be relevant to us at that moment of time but that date that addition to our data set helps us succeed uh, down the line as well and i like that it's not so structured it almost is like storytelling in a way like sharing and it doesn't have to be a report right. that says okay you know this team no. here's their char- characteristics and like you know here's what they drink for the, in their coffee it's kind of more like hey here's here's the experience that i had with this and it and it becomes part of like right. the tool set that you can use it's not you know i don't know that anyone i don't know maybe they do <laughs> keeps a file on every team but it's in no, it's in here no. right it's about having enough data right. in your head to sort of make decisions about how you want to run your program i really like that right right and 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 what i have experienced typically is uh, almost all the folks have the right attitude everyone wants the business to succeed everyone wants to do the right thing for the customer um they may or may not be aligned with you in certain situations and as program managers it's important to understand the root cause like the simple five why analysis why 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 you keep on asking the question and then you realize oh this is the reason why okay now i can tackle this problem with a specific individual or a team so people are usually reasonable and want to do the right thing it's just that they are set of restrictions they are priorities or their goals or their resources uh, are slightly differently structured than the way you would want it to be for your program mm-hmm. to succeed so so i always try to have this win win situation whenever there is conflict and and that helps me succeed in such scenarios so what can i do to help the other team so that that person or that team can help me succeed in my program having that attitude helps uh, helps take the the programs in the right direction i like that sort of motivated communication um and and actually i right. I, i feel like and maybe this is common uh for any conversation about project or program management but we keep coming back to like communication skills um and i thought i thought i just maybe just ask the question which is that like what is the most valuable communication skill that you've developed as a program manager in these like leading technology organizations tell us your secrets <laughs> uh there are no secrets and as i said i'm still learning um but my experience has been the higher you go um in the hierarchy uh, less is super attractive and useful um there was a very specific situation where um we required our senior leadership uh to get an alignment on an extremely complex problem we scheduled the meeting for 50 minutes and um i i was the program manager leading that program um and i'm not kidding that that presentation which i created went through 150 plus iterations before that meeting in a period of i'll say 3 to 4 weeks we iterated it for more than 150 wow. times um obviously we didn't literally go and uh, change each and every slide for 150 times but overall there are these features on those cloud apps where you can see mm-hmm. how many times uh, certain things have been iterated and we had 150 versions wow. of this so uh, that is the amount of time we spent because we wanted to communicate the right thing to the very critical audience at the right time but the reason i i say we succeeded in that situation is because we scheduled 50 minutes we wrapped it up in 25 minutes with an alignment with senior um, leadership and as a program manager nothing could be more satisfying that uh, than that because 
I was able to say more than 20 minutes of my mm-hmm. leader's time. And, and if I were to measure myself across any metrics, this would be one of those. I like that. And I, I, like, it's, it's, it's not like the most common way to look at like a success metric, but actually it's a really, really right. important one. And yeah, I mean, a similar experience on, on, on my side where, yeah, like that process of like distilling it down so that it has impact in a shorter time frame. And, you know, doesn't get that person to get to that point where they're impatient or, you know, they, you run out of time and they have to go somewhere and right. no decision's been made or not all the information is there. Uh, like that's such a risk, right? Like it's, it's such a high impact <laughs> risk that, okay, maybe we won't get through, you know, all the slides in the deck and then like, good luck, that, you know, you're, you're, you're back on the calendar three months from now, four months from now, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so there are two sides to this. That's one side of the risk where you want to give all the required information for the leadership team to make the decision. The other side of this is losing their attention with too mm-hmm. much information and finding that right balance is extremely difficult. Now, in this example, um, I don't remember the exact count, but we started with, I'll say, 45-ish slides in the presentation mm-hmm. and we ended up with 18. <laughs> which was a super distilled version. And when you reduce the count by this drastic um, number, each word in each slide matters. And I had to literally go through the slide. Like I, a couple of times I got it in my dreams. Am I doing the right thing or not? Because, because I literally went through this exercise of going through each word in each slide deck and say, is this something which that person wants to look at or not? And then justify those words in those lines. And that's how we came up with this count, but it was a good learning curve and I'm still still learning. So the, the higher up you go, typically less is super attractive unless there are reasons for things to be more descriptive. Oh, what, what about the other side of the coin? Uh, you had like talked about, you know, being in a meeting and you sometimes need to just take the reins uh, and you might have to be authoritative, but it's because you're the owner of the meeting, but sometimes it's a meeting room filled with senior leaders and you need to make sure that you arrive at the right outcome. What is your approach to driving right. that conversation? And like you said, you know, not necessarily caring about titles, respecting the titles, but not being so, uh, not caring so much about titles that you couldn't sort of step in. What is your approach to kind of grabbing the reins back on a meeting with senior leaders uh, that you need to kind of bring under control? Um, so, so the first and most important thing is pre-work is extremely, extremely critical in these situations. You don't want to go into a meeting with a senior leader half prepped. Like you might rather cancel the meeting and reschedule it, but a lot of work needs to happen before the meeting. You need to ideally send pre-read material so that people know what to expect and what decision has to be made and what they are supposed to do in that meeting. So, so, so that's important, uh, prepping for the meeting and it's time consuming, but it's the right thing to do because you are going to save a lot of time and a lot of energy with the right folks in that, in that setup. Second is uh, having a trust uh, and it does not come overnight. Um, it comes with experience. It comes with your uh, expertise in program management field. But having, if, if you are a trusted partner in that meeting and people look up to you as, let's say, program management specialist, then they'll listen mm-hmm. to you. And then third one is don't be scared. 
uh, and I'm saying it now, it was difficult for me in my early days. Don't be scared of the titles uh, because it's your meeting. Um, I'm not saying to be authoritative. All I'm saying is don't be scared just because someone is a subject matter expert and extremely senior leader in the company. Uh, though if you think that that discussion is either not relevant to what's going on or it's going into weeds or uh, you don't have time for that discussion, it's okay to take the reins and uh, call it out politely in that setup and move things forward. People eventually will understand that. I really like that. <laughs> and yeah, no, it doesn't sound easy. I'm like, in my head, I'm picturing, you know, I'm sure I've had these moments in meetings where I'm like, okay, well, that person's the, you know, senior VP of this or president of this. I'm just going to let them keep talking until they're done. I'll wait for a pause <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll get back in, uh, which isn't necessarily the right thing to do. Especially if, you know, like the personalities that will just fill the air because maybe they weren't, again, maybe they weren't sure of like what their role was in that meeting. You know, maybe that pre-work hadn't been done um, for them to understand. So they're going to, you know, talk about something that they think they're supposed to talk about, but maybe it isn't the right thing. Right, right. And there are different ways of dealing with it. You don't, you don't have to be abrupt and say, hey, can you please mm. stop talking? You can say, how about wrapping this up in the next two minutes so that we can focus on something else? Or... Um, I have a humble request. Can we please take this conversation offline? Because I have these two things to be covered to get to this decision. Mm -hmm. Like uh, if you are being mm -hmm. polite and you're having the right intentions, people will eventually. I like the, the humble request. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and th th there are times it won't work, but uh, <laughs> that's probably the, the, that's a good starting yeah. point. So. <laughs> a little polite intrusion. I like that. Nice. Uh, let's 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 zoom it back out. I know we kind of got into you know the thick of things and like the day to day, uh, which is was what I wanted to do. Um, but maybe just to kind of zoom it back out to our theme on like value. Um, I'm just wondering about impact. Like, what is the impact that a good program manager can have on a corporate initiative? Uh, we. I think on a corporate initiative, the program manager could have a direct or indirect impact on saving cost, increasing revenue, defining the future strategy, three to five year roadmap of the company, influencing critical decisions or the future direction of the company itself. Um, it sounds a lot. It might seem as if I'm exaggerating a few things, but, but I have seen in a lot of situations where folks in these roles have directly influenced uh, uh, a lot of critical things for a company and uh, I personally believe in it and that's why this role is in my opinion extremely special uh, because uh, people in this role are able to do so many so many critical things that that help the company uh, succeed not only uh, to the external world in the market, but also within the company across all the employees. Now, I like that lens that you've put on it as well and just like your experience because you know, I'm sure everyone has worked on that tiny project that nobody cares about. And yeah, that's going to be the case sometimes. But when you're talking about programs at the corporate initiative level, we're talking about um, how an organization is staying competitive, you know, how everyone right. is getting paid, how the organization is growing, period, and staying relevant, period, in the marketplace. And yes, it is about, you know, delivering things on time and on budget and with the right scope. But then, 
you know, again, that right scope, that efficiency, the, you know, cost savings, the right revenue models, um, you know, enabling and empowering the future of the organization, you know, kind of a big deal. <laughs> so, Right. And, and when, when we are involved in the day-to-day activities of a, of a job, it's, it's difficult to have this perspective, but it's very important to periodically introspect on how we are uh, doing one of these things. For example, when we were able to save 20 minutes of our senior leadership team's mm-hmm. time, that's actually cost saving. Uh, those are highly compensated people. And if I would have spent 20 more minutes with them, then it would have been an mm-hmm. expensive meeting. So uh, like no one is going to come and tell you that, oh, this was your impact. But you need to understand that and be proud of yourself because you, you did it. So uh, being introspective periodically, maybe once a quarter, once every six months also uh, also helps stay motivated in your role in the situations and also and and then understand where you are adding value and also find out more situations where you might be able to add value uh, down the line. Love that. Um, and maybe a closing question for me. What is your best advice for someone looking to build a career in program management in an enterprise environment like the one that you're working in? What kind of what kind of skills should somebody be focusing on to do the job? So it's a mix of all what we spoke in today's today's conversation, but at a very highest level, if someone is interested to grow as a TPM, technical program manager, uh, technical knowledge matters, uh, not coding, but understanding the system design and being able to have technical discussions with the right audience is important. And in general, for, from a program management standpoint, having the app business and soft skills tied with leadership skills is, is important. I've actually written a couple of articles, which I can share later awesome. on uh, with this audience um, on what does it mean to be a TPM? I actually wrote it with uh, yeah, with the digital right. project manager uh, team. So we can share those awesome. as well. Yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. And like, I think the thing that kind of wraps all of that around, uh, that wraps all around that is what you said about like these moments of introspection. Um, and, you know, the focus being on moments, right? Not always necessarily introspecting and not seeing the forest for the trees and not living in the moment, but taking the time to think about, okay, what are the skills that, you know, I know that I can improve and how can I go about closing that gap? It's not, the answer is not always going to be formal training. Like you said, right? Sometimes there's not formal training for all these things. Uh, but it's about understanding the balance of skills and, you know, the mix of hard and soft skills that you're bringing to the table. Um, and, and, and putting yourself in front of experiences that will develop your people skills. Um, and they might not, not always be the most comfortable things, but they are, you know, the, the ways to kind of learn these things and sort of, you know, get, get this training under your belt, quote unquote training, uh, you know, from, from your real world experiences, from your life on the job that will help you develop day over day. Nice. You you perfectly summarized this. <laughs> I loved it. Dharma, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you sharing some time with us. Uh, the insights that you shared are, I think, really rich. Um, you know, again, some of us are in a role that's similar. Some of us are not. I think you painted a really clear picture of how one might be able to succeed in this role and also the impact that this role has. And it can't be understated in terms of this is how great leaps are made in organizations to keep them relevant and, right. you know, just like uh, in front of the marketplace. Uh, so I just think that it's, it's, it's been really insightful again, just the value that uh, your, 
that your team delivers, that you deliver. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thanks for sharing some of your experiences and, and your knowledge with us. Awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. And hopefully we could have a few more conversations Absolutely. down the line. That sounds like a plan. Okay. Thank you. So what do you think? Is this standard fare for the technical program manager role? Or is this another layer of politics on top of an already difficult job? Tell us a story. What's the harshest feedback you've ever received from a senior stakeholder? And was it helpful? And if you want to learn more and get ahead in your work, consider becoming a DPM member. Head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com slash membership to get access to our experts forum, templates library, mastermind groups, monthly workshops, live mentorship sessions, Ask Me Anything sessions, ebooks, and more. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and stay in touch at thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.